Jackson. And this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. Well, it's been a really, really weird sports week so far, hasn't it? The Daytona 500 was raced on a on a Monday under the lights, which felt really, really weird. And, of course, Sunday was the NBA All-Star Game, which means no NBA games for a couple of days. So I'm looking for something to watch. I'm dying for something to watch. Nothing is on. I was starving for some good sports game. Football, basketball. I, I almost resorted to watching hockey. There's nothing going on. And last night, oh, Onalaska Central hit me right. That that hit me right in the sweet spot. Central High School last night, fourteen hundred people in attendance. Onalaska won two and zero, sweep the regular season series. They won sixty to fifty four to win fifteen straight and the Mississippi Valley Conference title outright. Central had won forty seven straight home games, forty seven straight home games, and Ana knocked them off. At Central, at home last night. Really cool atmosphere, really fun game. And look, we're going to talk about the Brewers. We're going to talk about the Astros because something hilarious comes out every single day. We're going to talk about the Bucks. We're going to get to all of that today. But last night is the big story of the week. Last night was fantastic, an amazing game. And I'm sure a lot of you tuned in to watch the stream, to hear Drew Kelly to see the incredible scene, 1,400 loud, proud fans in attendance last night at Lacrosse Central High School. The line was hundreds of people long. When I pulled up, and of course, I was working. I had to lug a camera and everything in, so I got to skip right by everybody in line. The line was out the door and around the block. The scene was incredible last night, and we had so many people watching last night. Uh, the stream featuring, of course, Drew Kelly was fantastic, uh, presented by Firefighters Credit Union and Great River Orthodontics. If you tuned in last night, you made a good decision. That game was awesome. Let's talk about that. Let's lead with that, and, and we can get to all the other stuff in a few minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. I'm your host, Grant Bills, and I've actually been out with the flu the last two days. Because the Daytona 500 was postponed until Monday, and because Central Not Alaska was last night, and we had a little bit of a pregame show with Hunter, and I was at Central, I, I, I haven't been on. And I've been kind of recovering from this this awful flu that's been going around. Everybody at UWL has it. Everybody's catching something right now. So bear with me today. I'm probably going to have to slug water and hack up a lung on air. But that's fine. That's fine. Last night, watching Central and on Alaska was one of the coolest basketball games I've seen in a long time. Or at least since the last time they played at on Alaska, right, earlier this season. Because on Alaska won that game as well. They swept the regular season series. Central has better players. They do. And that's not me being a hater. That's not my opinion. That's just fact. Central has three Division I players on their roster between Johnny Davis and Jordan Davis, who are both going to Wisconsin, and Terrence Thompson, who's looking like either Milwaukee or Green Bay. He has Division I offers as well. Alaska has none. They don't have any Division I players. I love Terrell Stutley. He's a Division II player. Central has better players. I also think Todd Fergett is a really, really good coach. I'm not going to say he's better or worse than Craig Cole, but he is a very good coach. And I think he faces some interesting challenges. Right? He doesn't necessarily have to mold players or teach them. N- n- not necessarily like other high school coaches. He has tremendous players. And they're all alphas. They're all tremendous players. And he's got to balance that, right? He's got to get those players to coexist and design an offense and a defense that maximizes Johnny Davis, 
Jordan Davis, Tristan Thompson, and all of those players and maximizes them at the same time. Not just one or two. He has to get all those players to coexist. He's a really good coach. And he deals with some unique challenges that a lot of high school coaches don't have to deal with. Central has better players. They have a great coach. They have a great home court advantage. They had won 47 straight home games. But Onalaska might have something more important. And that might be why they have won both of the regular season games thus far. They have an identity. And if you listen to sports radio with any frequency, with any regularity, or you watch sports TV, you hear the word identity get thrown around all the time. This team doesn't have an identity. And a lot of people who use it, they just, they're filling time. They're talking out their butt. And it's a cliche. But it's important. And we talked about it with the Packers earlier this year. With the Packers-Washington game. I remember having this discussion. The team with an identity has a path to victory. Right? It's not a coincidence last night that Onalaska's win followed basically the same roadmap that the first game did. They fell behind big. The first game, they fell behind, I think, 14-2. to Last night, Central opens the game. They, they, they take an 11 to nothing lead. The games were a near carbon copy. Anna took the lead at the end and didn't give it up. That's not a coincidence. Anna has an identity. They have a roadmap to a win that they believe in. And that's what Craig Cole does. Their identity isn't relying on one player. You look at Anna, you're like, well, who's their best player? I had a couple of friends at the game last night who hadn't seen Anna Alaska or Central play. A couple coworkers, a couple other media members. And they're like, well, who do I got to watch? I'm like, oh, we'll see. Right? They're not relying on one player. They have an identity. They have a roadmap to victory. It's not a coincidence that last night looked a lot like the first matchup. This game was a struggle for Onalaska. And you wouldn't know it by looking at the final score or looking at the box score, but it was. Onalaska got off to a terrible start. They had some bad turnovers. They struggled from the free throw line. I think Victor Desmond started, what, one of six from the free throw line. And if you were watching the stream or if you were at the game, You know that the student section was getting on his case. He was struggling. And when he finally broke the seal, when he finally put a free throw in, they got him on a lane violation. It was a bad start for Onalaska. They had missed missed free throws. They were in foul trouble. They had turnovers. It was bad. The game felt like a struggle. And you wouldn't know that if you just looked at the final score or read a little recap. But if you were there, Onalaska battled, battled for the first 75% of that game. And it didn't look great. Until... They took control with about four minutes to go. And once that happened, God, it looked like a breeze, didn't it? Onalaska looked like the comfortable team. And Central looked out of sorts. And Todd Fergett said so after the game. He said, we kind of lost our focus. We weren't focused on executing. And Onalaska beat us down the stretch. Just like the first game, where Ana trailed for most of the game. And then with a couple minutes to go, they grabbed the lead. And they looked comfortable. They looked like they, they, they were on a mission. And they knew how to accomplish that mission because they have an identity. The first 75% of the game, not super important for Onalaska. They fell behind early. They were kind of finding their way. And Coach Cole was trying some different combinations. They were putting both Terrell Stutley and Victor Desmond on Johnny Davis, trying to figure out what worked. Gavin McGrath sat for a good portion of that game, trying to figure out, do we want to go with a big body? Do we want to go smaller? They were trying a lot of different things. But with four minutes to go, four minutes to go, they took the lead, and they had their identity. They had the roadmap to victory, and that's why it looks so easy. Once they took control, it's, it's like a switch just flipped. And now all of a sudden, Central was the team out of sorts. At home, they were the team out of sorts. On Alaska, they just need a little lead. Two-point, three-point lead. That's all they need. And then they slow it down. And then they press you. Not, not a full-court press or a half-court press, but they press you. 
There's no shot clock in high school basketball. So what Coach Cole and his Onalaska Hilltoppers do, they, they get their hands on a lead. It doesn't have to be big. Two or three point lead at the end of the game. And they slow down and they put stress. They put stress on the opposition. They put stress on Central. And they force Central to make mistakes. They force Central to commit fouls or commit turnovers. And did you notice something in the final couple of minutes? Central didn't get multiple shot opportunities. They got one. They got one. On Alaska would grab the board and flip the court just like that. Once they took that lead towards the end of the game, that was it. They're like, we got this. And they made it look easy. They did. Oh, of course, by the way, I know we've mentioned Gavin McGrath and Terrell Stutley and Victor Desmond. Dakota Mantle was ice at the free throw line in a super hostile environment last night. And and he showed his senior experience last night. But also Carson Arns. Carson Arns was a beast. And if you didn't look at the score, you might have not even noticed last night. Carson Arns had 22 points. 22 points. He hit five threes. And he kept his team in it while they were experimenting with the lineups and trying to figure out what works and dealing with foul trouble and dealing with turnovers and dealing with a hostile road environment. Of course, Central had won 47 straight home games. But once they took that lead at the end, it looked so easy. They took a deep breath and said, we got this because they have an identity. They have a roadmap to victory and they're so good at executing it. And if you have an identity, a solid identity, the team believes in the coach. They believe in winning. They don't need the better players. Don't need the better coach. Don't need home court advantage. If you have an identity, one that you believe in, man, it's really easy to win games, even if you're outmanned and outgunned and on the road. Last night, it was so much fun to watch. If you want to watch, you want to catch up, if you missed last night's game, you can go to our Facebook page, WKTY, or you can go to our website, WKTYsports.com. That's where I'd recommend you go. Uh, and you can watch the full game right there. You can hear Drew Kelly. Uh, and, and, of course, that stream uh, provided by Firefighters Credit Union and Great River Orthodontics. We had so many people checking in on the stream last night, and you were smart to do so because that game was electric. Electric. And I know these two teams are going to match up in the playoffs again, and it's going to be fun again because it always is. These two teams are, are incredible. Those, those games are so much fun. All right, so that was last night. Moving on. I apologize if you don't give a rip about Central or on Alaska, but sorry, if you're a sports fan, you should give a rip because those games are amazing. But let's move on. I want to talk about the Brewers. I want to talk about the Bucks. I want to talk about the Astros because I have a conspiracy theory about baseball, about Rob Manfred and about the Houston Astros. I'll tell you about that. We'll talk Brewers, Bucks, everything. Catch back up after a couple of days off. The Wisco Sports Show presented by Played Against Sports. Back in a few minutes. <laughs> This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. I am your host. Hope you're having a great night. Thanks for tuning in. I've had the last couple of days off, the Daytona 500 on Monday. We had the pregame show for Onalaska Central last night, and I've had the flu. I was in bed all day Sunday, all day Monday. That was the worst of it. And most of the day yesterday, I was able to sneak to Central last night uh, to take in the doubleheader, both the girls and the boys game. So I'm still recovering, as you can tell, in my voice. Sounds like I'm about to keel over. I appreciate you uh, tuning in for sure. You want to share your thoughts, shoot me a text, 608-796-2558. A couple people texting in, uh, just talking about the game last night, how great it was. And and look, Drew Kelly did a tremendous job on the call. It was exciting, and he just let, he let that game breathe. Drew didn't overdo it. That that game was exciting by itself, and, and Drew was just there to, to, to paint the picture, right? And of course, you can... 
If you missed the stream, you can go check it out, WKTYsports.com or on our mobile app. All the games are right there. You can watch them in their entirety. Uh, it, it's it's a pretty fun game to watch. I'm probably going to rewatch it at some point, uh, at least to get ready for the assumed playoff rematch. Uh, I guess the third or the second rematch of the year, the third time they'll meet upcoming in the playoffs. There hasn't been a lot of sports news this week. That's why we're talking about on Alaska and Central. That's been the highlight of this week so far. Of course, Daytona was on Monday, and we had the All-Star Game on Sunday. All that's kind of over with and done now a couple of days later. The biggest news this week, at least in Wisconsin sports, I think, was what Mark Atanasio had to say at spring training. Uh, He spoke with media uh, yesterday, I believe. Monday or yesterday. And look, I've spent a lot of time complaining about the Brewers this offseason, about how they're cheap, about how they're slashing payroll. I understand and recognize they are a tiny market. I understand and I get that. But I didn't think they have to I didn't think they had to go this cheap. I didn't think they had to slash payroll by this much. I understand that they face challenges. I'm not tone deaf. I'm not an idiot. I understand that Milwaukee is a small market. But going from what, $135 million in 2019 to $90 million in 2020, that's such a huge jump. Just two years removed from having Game 7 of the National League Championship Series at home, and you're going to cut payroll by over $30 million? By nearly $40 million? That, 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 that doesn't sit right with me. And yes, I understand that Milwaukee's a small market. Still doesn't sit right with me. And a lot of Brewers fans feel the same way. Mark Atanasio addressed the media at spring training, and this is about a minute long. The most important part is at the beginning. So Mark Atanasio kind of does this backwards. He 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 hits you with the with the good stuff, and then he provides context instead of providing context and then hitting you with the headline. So this is Mark Atanasio at spring training. Yeah, we had an operating loss last year, and uh, you know if you're going to run a baseball team properly, you. The, the season snapshots, you really have to look on, on a rolling basis how you're doing. We had some uh, years as we were building, and we always want to you know, keep our powder dry somewhat for the next opportunity, whether it, it comes at next season or next offseason. Franchises get into trouble uh, when they overspend and, and end up with a mountain of debt, and, and then you go into a long period of rebuild. We have had, you know, in 15 seasons, this is in the media guide. I didn't commission this statistic. The team is uh, fifth, in nationally, fifth in the National League in wins over our 15 seasons. And I put our group, give our whole ownership group credit for that because they've been supportive of everything we've done. You know, five top five gets you in the playoffs. I, we weren't in the playoffs every year, but that's what we're trying to do. And so we don't want to dig, dig a hole for ourselves. And... You know, there, there's nobody we missed this offseason uh, because of price that was on our on our list. You know, we did want to sign Yasmani Grandal, so maybe, maybe, maybe one. Okay, so three takeaways from that press conference answer. It's about a minute long. The biggest one is the Brewers operated in the red last year. They lost money, which is a little bit surprising because the fan turnout was amazing and it was a good team and everybody was bought in. They were taking in money. So they lost money last year. That's number one. Number two, he talked about kind of a season-by-season approach, meaning you're going to save money for a couple of years and then go for it for a year or two, meaning you're going to save, 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 and then maybe go on the red for a year. And he understands that. They plan for that. And then point number three, which I I have a really hard time believing, is that we didn't miss anyone this offseason due to money, meaning we didn't let anyone go for money 
It will except for maybe Osmani Grandal. So he's basically saying we didn't want Moose back. We didn't want to sign another pitcher. We didn't want to do this or that. No, Eric Sogard was our first choice. Ryan Healy was our first choice. Well, maybe we would have liked to have Yasmani Grandal back. But other than that, man, this is the team we wanted, which is crap. That's not true at all. If you gave Mark Atanasio more money, this is absolutely not the team you would have. But whatever. That, I, that doesn't matter. That's not the point. The point is the Brewers operated in the red last year, or so Mark Atanasio says. Meaning they lost money, which is really hard to believe for a professional sports team that brings in as many fans as the Brewers do, especially last year when they were competing. We operated in the red. We lost money. Okay. There's two ways to look at this. This is an either or. And I hate both. I hate both of these situations. So no no one is better than the other. Either Mark Atanasio, the Brewers owner, is lying. And this would be a terrible excuse and incredibly demeaning to Brewers fans. Meaning we're going to slash payroll by about $40 million. uh, And we're going to tell you that it's because we lost money last year. So you have to be okay with it. Man, I'm hurting financially. we got to cut payroll. If he's lying about that, that's a really sleazy thing to do. And to pull that over on your fan base, that really sucks. Especially because, and I don't know who decided this, but transparency in baseball is, is much more important than in football or in basketball. Meaning, like, David Stearns in the Brewers front office and front offices of all baseball teams are expected to come out at the beginning of the season and say, all right, we're, we're rebuilding this year, guys. We're tearing it down. This is a three- or five-year process, right? Front offices are incredibly transparent in Major League Baseball with their fan bases. You don't see that in the NFL. Like, the Dolphins didn't hold a press conference at the beginning of this year saying, yeah, guys, we're going to suck. Like, we're going to, hey, guys, we're going to try to lose as many games as possible. Uh, we want to we tank for a quarterback. Everybody knew that's what they were doing, but the Dolphins competed, right? They tried to win games. They played for their coach. It wasn't, like, the front office didn't come out and say, yeah, we're going to suck. They still tried. They still competed. They're just not a very good team. Traded away a lot of talent. You know, this in the NBA, the general manager doesn't come out and say, hey, fans, uh, don't buy tickets because we're rebuilding. We're tanking. No. They start playing their younger players. They still compete. They still try to win, but they hamstring their team by, by playing younger players. In baseball, no, 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 no. General managers are expected to be honest and tell fans, this is the plan. We have a three- to five-year plan. We got a five- to seven-year rebuild plan. This, that, the other thing. It's expected to be transparent. And if Mark Atanasio is lying, then that kind of goes against the operation of Major League Baseball and the line of communication between fans and general managers and ownership. And that sucks. So I hope Mark Atanasio is not lying about this. And I hope he's not covering himself and his massive payroll cuts by simply saying, yeah, we, we lost money last year. Sorry, we have no choice. That'd be a crappy thing to do. Either that is the case, or this is true. And if this is true, that the Brewers operated in the red last year and they lost money, even though they made the playoffs, that's a really, really sad reality. And it's a poor reflection on the current state of baseball. Sometimes baseball in Milwaukee seems helpless, doesn't it? Like, they're damned if they're due... If, if, damned if they do, damned if they don't, they can't do anything right, and they're always at a disadvantage, so much to the point where it would almost feel hopeless and helpless to ever want to win a World Series. Here's why. Last year, in 2019, the Brewers were way above average in payroll. Excuse me, they were way above average in attendance, my bad. They were not way above average in payroll, we'll get to that in a sec. They were, however, way above average in attendance. They were 8th in Major League Baseball in attendance. They put almost 3 million people 
through the gates into Miller Park last year. 2,923,333 people total. Behind only the Red Sox, the Rockies, the Angels, the Cubs, the Yankees, the Cardinals, and the Dodgers. There's not a single team in front of the Brewers in in attendance that surprises you. You're like, okay, yeah, those are those are classic franchises. Those are historical franchises with great fan bases. That's good company to be in. They're in front of the Astros and the Braves and the Twins, who won their division last year. Right? The, the, the Brewers, eighth. Out of 30 teams, the tiny, measly, small market Brewers were eighth in attendance. Say fans are holding up their end of the bargain. Business and marketing sides holding up their end of the bargain, right? They're putting people in the seats. They're making money on ticket sales. Way more so than a good percentage of Major League Baseball. Way above average in the attendance category. Now in payroll, as I misspoke earlier, the Brewers weren't way above average. They were average. They were 16th in Major League Baseball in payroll. They spent more money... Then some big market teams like the Cleveland Indians, right? And the Chicago White Sox, who have come around and spent money this year. The Brewers were 16th, which is really, really impressive given the fact they're tiny, tiny market. Their payroll was 135,000, almost 136. The Red Sox were at the top with 229. So they're holding pace. They're doing about as much as they can do payroll wise. It's about B average in Major League Baseball, which is a fat check. So you tell me. In a season where the Brewers punch way above the waterline in terms of attendance, and they do just about as they do just about everything they can in payroll, and they lose money? What are the Brewers supposed to do? What can they do better? They're selling out a ton of games, they're top ten in attendance. What do you want to expand the ballpark so they can sit more people in there? What do you want the Brewers to do? Get higher in attendance? You gotta be top five if you want to make money? That's crap. And payroll, they're the smallest market in professional sports. Being league average in a league that has no salary cap is really, really impressive. What else can the Brewers do? If they're losing money on a season where they're top 10 in attendance and they're average in payroll, then this team is helpless and they can't win a World Series title. And that just goes to show how crappy the current state of baseball is for teams such as the Milwaukee Brewers in markets like Milwaukee. I hate the Brewers for going cheap this offseason. I think it was a crummy thing to do being one game away from the World Series two years ago. But if this is true, can you can you blame the Brewers? What else do you want them to do? They're holding up their end of the bargain. And, and, and Major League Baseball is starting to feel like a wall that they just can't climb. We're going to continue to talk about this, and we're also going to bring the Bucks into the fold because the Bucks play in the same market, the smallest market in professional sports. They both play in the same market. It's starting to feel a little bit helpless. It's starting to feel a little bit helpless. And don't worry, this isn't going to be depressing. It's, it's not going to be a total downer of a segment. Let me explain coming up next. Brewers, Bucks, small market woes, the topic on today's Wisco Sports Show presented by Play It Again Sports. Stick with us here on WKTY. Wisco Sports Show rolls on here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. I am lucky enough to be your host. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you're having a good night. Uh, small side note, Rob Manfred just made another God, so stupid comment. We're going to talk about that coming up in about 10 minutes. I already was planning to talk about all the dumb stuff Rob Manfred has said, but I got another comment to add to the pile uh, that I just was checking out on Twitter during the last break. So we'll get there coming up in about 10 minutes. Right now we're talking about the Brewers and I, I want to bring the Bucks into this conversation as well. We're talking about small market teams, and I know we've got a couple of texts 
on the five-star telecom talking text line saying, well, Grant, what are your thoughts on Brock Holt? I don't look nothing against Brock Holt. I'm sure he's a nice dude. I don't care. I already can't remember all the players that the Brewers have signed this offseason. I sure. Great. We got Brock Holt. Add him to the pile of players that they signed to one-year deals. Oh, but we have a one-year club option, too. Yeah, that you're not going to use. So, yeah, just throw Brock Holt on the pile. We'll see. I don't have any thoughts on him. Basically, every player they added this offseason is exactly the same. So that's my thoughts on Brock Holt. I know that's very negative. I want to talk about small markets because it, it, it was said by Mark Atanasio that the Brewers operated in the red last year, meaning they lost money. You don't have to believe that. I, I For the sake of this conversation, I'm going to believe that. Because the Brewers were top 10 in attendance. They were average in payroll, which for the smallest market in a, team, in a league with no salary cap, that's that's pretty darn good, right? That's holding your own. They did those two things right. They did all they could. Got fans in the seats, spent money, and they still, lo- they still lost money. What else do you want the Brewers to do? And I want to talk about this reality that small market teams face, specifically all small market teams, the Bucks and the Brewers. One of my 2020 New Year's resolutions was to completely drop my small market inferiority complex. And I think I've done a pretty good job not hating on the Celtics and the Lakers and the Yankees and the Red Sox simply for the sake of hating on the Celtics and the Yankees and the Lakers and the Red Sox. You know what I mean? But we need to be realistic and we need to be accurate, especially with Major League Baseball. Because in the NFL, all teams have a a fairly equal shot, right? With only 16 games, with short careers, players are going to go to the teams that give them a good situation and a good paycheck. Weather, not a huge deal, right? Market size, not a huge deal. You're there to play football. It's a very short season. Major League Baseball with no salary cap, well, you're going to go to the team that can cut you the fattest check. The NBA, you might go to the nicer climate. It's a winter league. You might go to the bigger market so you can try to get a shoe deal. You can try to market your own brand, your own media platform like we see with KD, LeBron, and Steph Curry, right? These leagues are Milwaukee teams, the Brewers and the Bucks, the MLB and the NBA. Those provide different challenges. With the Brewers, let's recap. In a year where they held average payroll as the smallest market in a league with no salary cap, which is hella impressive, they were way above average in attendance. They were top 10. They were eighth in 2019 in attendance. They did all they could to put a winner on the field and to make money. And Mark Atanasio saying they still lost cash? They still didn't break even on the 2019 season? Now, we can safely assume, based on last year to this year, a huge slash in payroll, we can safely assume, I think, that Mark Atanasio is not okay with losing money in back-to-back seasons. That's a safe assumption, right? So, it, or can we draw the conclusion that basically you get one shot? You get one shot, what, every 10 to 15 years? Is that what we've learned? Because if Mark Atanasio said, yeah, we we lost money last year, we operated in the red, but he also would have gone out and re-signed Grandal and re-signed Moustakas and added a starting pitcher and not slash payroll, we could assume, okay, Atanasio's okay to take a bath for a year or two or three. He's willing to run it back. He's willing to try a few times, even if it means he loses money more than once. But because the Brewers hit a franchise record in payroll last year, about $135 million, then slashed it to $90 million, which is a huge reduction. And then he comes out and says, well, we lost money last year. Based on all those facts, we can assume that Mark Atanasio is not okay and will not accept losing money in back-to-back seasons. Therefore, the way I see it, the Brewers get one shot, and it might have already passed. 
what, every 10, 15 years when they, quote, go for it and they jack up their payroll to try to win a World Series? Are they only going to try once? Because that's the conclusion I draw based on the facts that we've been presented with. Big payroll last year, slashing it this year. Mark Atanasio said, yeah, we lost money last year. Okay, so he's not willing to lose money in back-to-back years. That means the Brewers get one run at this. And that one run may have already passed. And I'm not going to totally blame Mark Atanasio or the Brewers for that. It's his team. I think it sucks that he's not willing to, I don't know, maybe maybe try a couple of times. Right? The Royals tried twice. They made it to the World Series. Didn't win. Make it back the next year. They get it done. I don't know if this is the best approach, but I can't necessarily blame him. If you can be top 10 in attendance and hold your own in payroll at about the league medium and still lose money, seems it seems a little futile, right? It seems like a little bit of a an exercise in futility, meaning it doesn't really seem like the Brewers have a fair shot to ever win a World Series if that's the case. I think the Brewers' shot might have already passed. I'm not saying their window's closed, but their best chance, their best chance in World Series may have already passed. Because based on Mark Atanasio's comments and the timing of those comments, I don't know if he's willing to jack up payroll again. In fact, I feel pretty confident that he's not. Brewers, really up against it in terms of their market size in the league in which they play. Now the Bucks, they're an interesting and a different conversation. Because they're also a small market team, but they play in a league that has a salary cap. Now the NBA presents different challenges and different obstacles for a team like the Bucks: Geography, climate, Media, these all matter in the NBA. And keep in mind that the NBA is a winter league. So the climate sucks. The geography is, okay, well, we're kind of close to Chicago, but New York and L.A. are on the other sides of the countries. You want to go to Houston, that's way down south. Miami's way down south. Not really close to anything other than Chicago. And Chicago is as big and as exciting as I imagine it is. I've never been because I'm not really a fan. It's also in a cold climate. It's also in a geographically isolated place. And it's freezing cold. Have you been outside today? I love Wisconsin. I've lived here my whole life. I love a lot of things about this state. I spent four days in Los Angeles after New Year's. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sold. I could live here. Yeah, this is this is pretty damn great. Milwaukee is up against it. When trying to lure free agents to town, when trying to make trades and then convincing those players to sign extensions, to sign contracts, and they might be up against it with Giannis Antetokounmpo when it comes time to slap that Supermax extension on the desk and slide it over. Say, Giannis, here, sign this. Uh, it's tough. Every Giannis headline gets less and less and less reassuring. I don't know if you saw this, but over the All-Star Weekend, Slam... Uh, which is a basketball magazine, of course. And now, because it's 2020, they do a lot of online stuff as well. This was the headline. This is on Valentine's Day, February 14th, last Friday. Quote, everybody talks about his impending free agency, and I think everything is open. The quote from Giannis's agent, staying in Milwaukee is, quote, a viable option. Now, I'm old enough to remember two years ago when he said, I would never go to Los Angeles or New York. I love Milwaukee. Milwaukee is in my home. I'm going to be here for my entire career. I'm old enough to remember when that was the narrative, when it seemed absurd to consider any other option. And now Milwaukee's being considered as, well, yeah, that's a viable option. Yeah, these headlines are getting less and less and less reassuring. And did you hear his interview over All-Star Weekend? Talking about playing with his brother, Thanasis. This is what he had to say. Pay attention, because there's a little nugget in here that kind of makes you go, huh? You got one brother with you in Milwaukee, another in L.A. Have you ever thought about what it'd be like having everyone together? 
I think that would be amazing. Obviously, we spend more time together, and uh, I'm 100% sure my mom would love that. But if we could like team up in a team in Milwaukee, LA, whatever, that'd be awesome. If I could team up on a team in Milwaukee, LA, that would be awesome. Well, let me just throw LA in there for the sake of throwing LA in there. Look, I'm not trying to make a huge, big, massive deal out of this. He has a brother who plays in Milwaukee. He has a brother who plays in Los Angeles. So for the sake of inclusiveness and giving a wholesome press conference answer, he did the right thing. But it's a trend. It's not just one little isolated incident. The headlines and the quotations get less and less reassuring. The interviews get less and less reassuring that Giannis will actually re-sign. And much like the Brewers toiling away, doing their part to put butts in the seats and exercising as much flexibility and payroll as they can and forking over as much money as they can, they still lost money and they still didn't make the World Series. Much like the Bucks, who went 60 and 22 in 2019 and came within a couple rolls of the basketball from taking a 3 nothing lead and effectively ending the Eastern Conference Finals. And in 2020, they're 46 and 8. They have a six and a half game lead in the standings. They are dominant. They are incredible. They are elite. The idea that Giannis Antetokounmpo next summer could say, no, I want to enter free agency after those two years with a straight face saying that I want to go somewhere where I have a chance to win a championship, that would be absurd because the Bucks could not have done anything better. They could not have done anything more. Much like the Brewers, you kind of have to say, well, what the hell do you want us to do? What, what more could we have done? If Giannis leaves, you're going to be saying much of the same. And fans of teams in Milwaukee, the smallest market in professional sports, as we are constantly reminded, we're going to be left holding our you-know-what's in our hand after having Christian Yelich in his prime and after having a franchise record in payroll and having a top 10 number in attendance and having a 60-win Bucks team that was right there on the cusp of the the, the NBA Finals and having a, 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 what's going to be another best seed in the NBA going into the NBA playoffs in 2020. You're telling me we're going to get nothing? And you're saying, well, is that just what we deserve because that's a small market? Is, is that how this works? Because the Brewers and the Bucks are just about doing absolutely everything right. And if at the end of next year... Both of these two iterations of these teams, this current state of the Milwaukee Brewers and this current state of the Milwaukee Bucks, if they crumble and fall apart, what more do you want the, what more do you want the market of Milwaukee to do? What more do you want them to do? I don't think there's much more you can do. I don't think there's much more you can do. That's a conversation we're going to have to revisit, obviously, all throughout Brewers season, through Bucks season, and into the offseason and into free agency as well. I want to put a bookmark in. I want to put a, a cap on it until now. we got to talk about Rob Manfred. I was planning to talk about Rob Manfred. I have a little bit of a conspiracy theory uh, and all the dumb stuff he's been saying. He just said something even stupider just a couple of minutes ago. So we can add that to the pile. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show presented by Played Against Sports coming up next here on WKTY. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. I'm your host, Grant Bills. Follow me on Twitter at Grant. You can keep up with me even when I'm not on the air, when I'm yelling about something, complaining about something while watching the Bucks or the Brewers. I was trolling through Twitter uh, in between segments today while we were on breaks, and Rob Manfred said another dopey, idiotic thing, which plays right into our final conversation today, which is about Rob Manfred. I have a little bit of a conspiracy theory. I actually think Rob Manfred is a genius. I think he's brilliant. I'll explain why in a minute or two. It will all become clear. <laughs> so everyone is talking about the Astros cheating scandal right now, mostly because nothing else is going on, and it just it's the gift 
that keeps on giving. It's everybody's favorite conversation. And say what you want, but baseball's interesting right now. Like, people have strong opinions on it, and they like to talk about it and debate it. When was the last time you could say that about baseball, you know? When was the last time people were this up in arms about anything dealing with baseball? People talk about steroids in the steroids era as a, a thing that got them back into baseball. Watching the home run race between Mark McGuire and Barry Bonds or whoever it was. I don't know. I wasn't around for the steroid era. But it reinvigorated the game. It made it exciting again. And a lot of people say that steroids is what made them interested in baseball again. I don't know if this is comparable to that, but the idea seems pretty similar, right? So let's recap. Rob Manfred, as the commissioner of Major League Baseball in the last month or two, has provided immunity to the players who were involved in cheaters. He provided immunity to the cheaters, didn't take away the World Series trophy, and then when people criticized him for that, he referred to the World Series trophy as a piece of metal, which obviously people hated. Yesterday, and this is the the newer chunk, the newer quote that I haven't seen, when asked why the Astros' uh, sign-stealing thing has gotten so much backlash, why people are so angry, he... Talked about how it was because of a change in society. This is the quote. Part of it is the way that society has evolved. It's a very different world than 1919. You don't say, Rob. Yeah, you got that right. And his own players of his own league are calling him out and blatantly disrespecting him, his actions, and his league. Trevor Bauer, maybe mostly so. We talked about him last week. Cody Bellinger, you all saw him in that epic rant he went on. Chris Bryan of the Cubs went uh, went to talk about the punishment too and how weak it was. I thought the, the the whole punishment was weak. I mean, I think what is it? They got fined what five million bucks? Like you make that selling the, the price of the beers at the games now? I mean, you make that. I don't even know how many games, but you make that real quick. Weak, calling him soft, ineffective, speaking out against the commish. And John Lester, did you see what John Lester had to say? I actually think John Lester did a really good job in his statement. When Rob Manfred referred to the World Series trophy as a piece of metal, basically saying, well, what do you want me to do? Take a piece of metal away from the Astros? He said, that's somebody who has never played our game. If that's the way he feels, he needs to take his name off the trophy, which I actually thought was a perfect response, a perfect answer. Right? You weren't blatantly disrespectful. You didn't call the guy a name. You you, you didn't degrade him at all. But you said, look, if you feel that that's only a piece of metal, take your damn name off the trophy because it means a whole lot more than that. I actually thought that was very well done. Rob Manfred still probably didn't appreciate it, but I think that was just about as well-spoken, as well-put as you could put it, right? So let's recap. Player immunity to cheaters. Cheaters didn't get punished at all. Uh, didn't take a World Series trophy. Called it a piece of metal. Yeah, you suspended the general manager and, and, and the manager, but remember, Rob Manfred didn't fire those two. The Astros did that. Rob Manfred didn't do that. Oh, you find him five million bucks. Okay, Houston's a massive market. I think they'll be okay. Uh, oh, yeah, you find him draft picks. Oh, yeah, that's what every baseball fan is terrified of, right, is losing a few draft picks. Here's here's my thought, and I was probably up too late last night. I was all hyped up on, on flu medication. Are we sure that Rob Manfred isn't doing this on purpose? I'm, seri- I'm serious. Like, of course, this is a joking question, and it's an, and it's a fun thought experiment, but think about it seriously for a sec. Are we sure that Rob Manfred isn't doing all this on purpose? Because every aspect of his handling of the scandal has been misguided and and has been a huge misstep. He's done a very poor job at every turn. Are we sure he's not doing this on purpose? 
maybe, just maybe it goes even deeper. And he got together with Jim Crane and the Astros and he said, look, I want your apology to suck. I want it to be terrible because people will get mad and baseball will be interesting. People will talk about baseball. People will complain. And it's weird, right? Because Rob Manfred would almost be sacrificing himself for the good of his league. And I don't think it's good for baseball, but people are talking about it, right? People say no publicity or bad publicity is, what is this saying? No, all publicity is good publicity. Thank you very much. Yeah, I, shut up. Yeah, I finally, I finally got it. All publicity is good publicity. And Rob Manfred said, let's get people talking. Let's get it moving. And it, and it made me think of this quote from The Office, the episode where uh, Michael Scott's branch, the Scranton branch, merges with the branch from, what was it, Nashua, New Hampshire, or something like that. I don't know. And the branches come together, and all the employees who don't know each other, don't really like each other either, have to come together. And basically, Michael, on purpose or not, I don't remember, gets all of the employees to finally like each other in spite of himself, right? Michael acts like such a jerk that he gets all of his employees to rally around hating him. The quote is, sometimes what gets the kids to finally agree is hating the lunch lady, which is which is brilliant, right? Sometimes what brings the kids together is hating the lunch lady. And Rob Manfred's like, you know what? Nobody knows who I am anyways. I'm the commissioner of baseball. You know, Adam Silver, Roger Goodell, they get all the headlines. We're going to do a terrible job on this. And in turn, we're going to get people to care about baseball again. Playing the long game, right? Playing the very long game. Get people talking. Get people mad at him so they focus on the season. And this season of baseball is going to be really good. These people are going to want to watch when the Houston Astros are on TV. They're going to want to watch. It's interesting. People are talking about it. I think it's a long shot. But I swear, I think it's a possibility that Rob Manfred is just... He is doing a bad job on purpose to make baseball interesting again. Which is noble, brave. I think it's slightly misguided. But hey, here we are. On February 19th, talking about baseball. So what do you know? It's working. Tomorrow, we will be back. The Bucks will be back tomorrow as well. Thank God. We'll talk about that. Continue to talk about this Brewers offseason as it turns and whatever else is going on in the world of Wisconsin sports. Tomorrow, same time, same place, right here. Talk to you then.